Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species is a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia, and streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are available from both the 3CR and Freedom of Species websites. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie, and here in the studio with me today is Lawrence Pope. Lawrence is the coordinator of the Victorian Advocates for Animals, and he's also the president of the group Friends of Bats and Bush Care. It's good to have you back in the studio, Lawrence. It's been a while. Thanks, Kate. It's great to be here. Now, we're going to talk about bats today, or flying foxes to be precise, or fruit bats as some people call them. Hmm. So the last 12 months has been a particularly cruel period for Australia's flying foxes, and we've seen mass deaths in heat waves, in starvation events, we've seen bats being deliberately driven from their roosting sites and we've seen uh, mother bats and their pups being separated and that's in addition to the ongoing tragedies of being shot for eating um, fruit in orchards for getting um, we're seeing them regularly being trapped in fruit tree netting and caught on barbed wire getting electrocuted on power lines and then their loss of habitat from land clearing and bushfires man oh man where do we start lawrence Shall we start locally, perhaps? Sure, yeah. The situation for flying foxes is uh, fairly grim across the board, and I, I guess the challenges they face um, are emblematic of the threats and the, um, the situation that um, a great many Australian species find themselves in uh, ecosystems across the country. Um, so there are there are multiple threats, but I guess the the biggest one uh, is the the increased frequency and intensity of heat waves um, in Australia, and the death toll from those heat waves is um, of a of an order of magnitude that we really haven't seen before. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to talk about what's happened at Yarra Bend Park for the last uh, few years, but and then extrapolate out uh, onto the other colonies. Well, let's uh, start right. from that. What was it about two weeks ago? I think it was uh, on a Thursday, no, uh, November the twenty first. I think it was. There was that. There was a one off heat wave, and it only reached what was it? I think about thirty nine degrees. Yeah, it only reached um, thirty nine. Um, here at Yarraben Park, uh, we still had uh, some pups uh, come into care. It looks like when when some of the females feel like they're in extreme danger, um, even from a single day, uh, because this happens so early, this is really unprecedented to have such a, a hot day at this time in November. 
that we had a couple of abortions down at Yarraben Park where the the females aborted their late-term pups. How do you know that um, that's taken place? What? We we see we see the pup on the ground. The fetus. Yeah, fetus on the ground, um, and those fetuses are usually taken up fairly quickly by ravens or by foxes. Oh wow! Um, so, and also uh, we had uh, pups um, that weren't picked up. So. The ideally, when, when you say picked up, like the mothers don't go back. Correct. So when it gets really, really hot, mum will push pup off onto a um, uh, a branch, uh, part of a tree for her own uh, relief. For her own relief, because it's yeah. getting too hot, yeah. and and then she'll go back and pick pup up when uh, the change arrives. And but if you observe a pup out on its own, um, and it's twelve hours after the heat event mm. uh, that pup's in trouble mum hasn't yeah. come back now she could be dead because yep. of heat stroke or for she could have not come back because of some sense of doom um, that the heat in, event has imparted to her um, and that pup that pup will need to be rescued and taken into care so uh, I have one at home at the moment from the heat event and one another pup where it's uh, mum was killed probably by a car um, out in Ferntree Gully. So um, I have those two at home. And what what's involved with looking after some young well, bat we, pups? Well, uh, young pups, five feeds a day. Um, my right. wife is the chief carer. I yeah. see her, I see myself as a carer's aide. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but, um, uh, so, yeah, it's five feeds a day and um, uh, into the night and then um, they have to be... Um, uh, cleaned properly. It's, it's the same as looking after any young mammal. It's yeah, feeding, right. it's cleaning, uh, wrapped up nice and yeah. warm, um, given opportunities to exercise. And then when, uh, once they, they achieve certain milestones uh, each week in terms of weight and growth, and then uh, they, um, uh, when they reach uh, the right age, they go up to bat school in Olinda, uh, the fly-by-night bat clinic up there, oh, and right. all the orphans go up there and they learn to be bats with each other awesome um, that must be a sight it's yeah it's great they're all very excited and nervous when they go to bat school <laughs> and don't know who to talk to and, and 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 then they sort of quickly have friends they they'll they'll make friends there'll be a group of two or three friends over there another two over there and three a couple over there so Beautiful. they team up with other bats yeah and then after a short period uh, a couple of weeks three weeks uh bat school they go down at, at about 15 weeks um, to uh, finishing school at Yarraben Park, we have oh, a right. soft-release enclosure yep. at Yarraben Park in, uh, on the Fairfield side of the river, and those bats are then support-fed um, and rechecked and rechecked for their health and uh, examined by um, people who are expert in the area. And um, then the door is opened at the end of the enclosure and they're allowed to make their way out to join the wild bats who are all above them. So the enclosure is beneath oh, the colony gosh. of wild bats. Now, the wild colony is like a sort of gang of wild bikies <laughs> compared to the environment that these young yeah. bats have been exposed to. So there'll always be one or two sookie bats that don't want to go out and join the wild bats or go out and then come back into the enclosure. So we leave the door open and the, the flap open and they're allowed to climb back into the enclosure and and stay there and um to get away from the bed just to get away and <laughs> and they'll they'll find them up in the corner with a friend and 
and you really just need to give them a little bit more time, and then they then they will. The excitement's too much, then the, the sun sets, and they they make their way out and join the wild bats, and eventually fully reintegrate into the colony. So, who manages so, that? It's an aviary of sorts. By the yeah, sound of it. Uh, we manage it. Friends of Bats and Bush Care. Oh, we wow. manage that. We run it. We manage it with support from Parks Victoria. Wonderful. Uh, and a project officer uh, down at Yarraben Park, Stephen Brent, who does a great job. And so we're the only soft release facility at the moment right. in Victoria. And last year we were able to take um, 150 of Adelaide's orphans and reintegrate those grey-headed flying foxes from the heat event in Adelaide. So you, so they then join the Melbourne's wild bats. They Correct. don't return to Adelaide. Correct. Um, remembering that the flying fox population across its range, so roughly from Brisbane down down um, to um, uh, Melbourne and then across to Adelaide, is a single population that dynamically um, oh, interacts okay, right. and exchanges. So the camps are like. Uh, uh, bus stops, bats get right. on, bats get off, bats arrive, bats depart. And so our bats are their bats out and their bats are our bats. Exactly, so I get you. Right. When you visit Yarrabin Park and you go to Bellbird and you see the lookout, yeah. the bat you see there might be the same one that you see in Brisbane on your holidays right. in, wow. in six months' time. Now, that's how they perform their ecological role as they hike up and down the coasts and right. inland um, throughout, the, throughout the year. Yeah. They trend... Trend north in winter in in terms of entire population and then trend south in summer. They're following the fruiting and the flowering, of course. Um, So the colony at Yarrabin Park, as an example, will go from two or three or four thousand over winter up to about 35 or 45,000 over summer. Um, as the bats influx from uh, from the north, and then when it cools down, they go, oh, it's a bit chilly here, a bit too cold. Most of them will move out and head up north. They're a bit like our grey nomads. <laughs> our our grey-headed flying foxes are like yeah. our grey nomads. They they camp in the best places yep. and they talk a lot. So, <laughs> so. so the ones that have come across from Adelaide is that because they don't? There's not sufficient carers in Adelaide. To you talked about 150 orphans, which mm. is a lot. There's not enough people over there that are willing to put their hands up for that? Uh, yeah, they're struggling. It's a lot of animals. Thinking five feeds a day, 150 animals. Yeah. Uh, How did you bottle, get them all across? Bottle fed. They came across in a convoy of four-wheel drives. Wow. Um, and it's all fully permitted by um, the authorities, DELP. Uh, it's not legal to transport bats and or any wildlife across state boundaries without proper permits so it all has to be organized and um from this recent november day we're we're taking 25 uh young gray-headed flying fox pups um from where from from adelaide oh did they have the heat they had a hundred uh they had a hundred and 50 i think come into care in adelaide so we're trying to help the same day yeah from that same day but it reached forward so because adelaide's another 200 k's further north yeah what's when it's 37 here it'll be 41 or 42 over there now we think adelaide is a little they've they've it's the western extreme of their range and They've really gone into Adelaide in the last 15, 16 years. Right. It's a bit of a trap because although the bats are looking to um, uh, find um, you know, food and resources yeah. and, and establish new camps um, because we've destroyed so much of their um, traditional range in New South Wales and South Queensland, yeah. an area the size of Germany and Poland we've cleared since the early 1980s. Um, but... 
when they reach Adelaide, they set up camp in the Botanic Gardens outside the zoo, so you hear all the zoo yeah. noises, and then you hear the bats, and it's all it's pretty wonderful. Cacophony, yeah. But it's just a bit too hot. Right. Um, it's a bit too beastly dry yeah. hot. Um, so we had 4,000 die over a couple of days in 2018. Was um, that the one in – that was the one in far north Queensland? That was the one that was – yeah, the heat waves that were killing – Killing right across the east as well. Right, okay. Yeah. So that, that series of extremely high temperatures for extended periods. So that was last year or the beginning of this year? Uh, that was that was um, last year and the beginning of this year right. we had we had we had further uh, we had further heat waves um, that killed hundreds and uh, thousands of flying foxes in, in in Queensland. I heard something the figures were something like a third of the a third of the population of the spectacle spectacle flying fox, yeah, 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 yeah. A third of the population was wiped out. That's right, and that's off a low base. Now, looking at the mid nineteen eighties, there are about eight hundred and fifty thousand spectacle flying foxes. And just to put it in some context, the the range of the spectacle flying fox is um, in north North Queensland, so from about Townsville up to right. the, the northern tip. Yeah. Um, uh, in mid eighties, was about eight hundred and fifty thousand, up to a million spectacle flying foxes. Critical rainforest regenerators, right? And there are a whole bunch of rainforest species that rely solely on spectacle flying. And foxes And this is purely because they eat the for... seed and then poo it somewhere else. That's isn't right. It? Yeah, that yep. the spectacle flying fox is principally a seed dis- disperser. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, you know, uh, anything up to a million spectacle flying foxes. Um, then in the mid nineties, that dropped down to about four hundred thousand. Then down to eighty thousand in two thousand. Massive and drops. Where's about thirty five thousand left now? So they've got about one or two really bad summers left. We think the spectacle flying fox. And that's a pretty much a done deal. A, well, it's a bad it's, summer. Is, it's it's a short, yes, it's yes, a sure thing. They're in dire dire straits. We are in a. Um, in a conservation emergency, yeah. and unfortunately, it seems a, a significant part of the population is still more interested in sports ball um, oh, than yeah. caring for, of course, um, caring for these ancient species, these ancient repositories of unique genes that um, is part of um, as part of the Australian um, uh, heritage, part mm. of the. The, the gift that Australia has to offer mm. is this ancient forests and these isolated, mm. unique species um, that that we we are treating in a very cavalier and um, disrespectful manner mm. across the period of our occupation. Yeah, well, that leads me to ask, what tell us about how they're being treated in Colac because I know at the moment there's an issue with the bats in Colac Botanic Gardens and they're being very poorly regarded by... The local authorities. Well, Colac's a bit unusual. Um, Colac is the, the the odd man out, if you were. Uh, a lot of the local government authorities um, in the past five or six, seven years have, and, and this reflects a shift um, throughout flying the range of uh, the greater flying fox, uh, in particular. That that management in situ is the is the 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 management approach uh, that is uh, most favoured. Um, dispersals and Trying to evict Indigenous Australia uh, is not seen as something that is desirable or effective or cost-effective um, or, 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 or respectful in terms of the contribution that these animals make wherever they go. Most local governments say, look, 
they the, we're respecting their choice. They may be roosting in our in our local garden. One of the reasons for that is we've cut down most of their forest, mm. so they deserve um, more respect from us and uh, a more uh, science based approach rather than this sort of knee jerk reaction. Now, Colac is a bit of an exception. Um, the bats are roosting in the Colac Botanic Gardens. Now, I, must, I add very quickly that they're not there at the moment because there was a cold snap a few months ago and they moved out. But the 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 management approach and intention of the Colac Otway Shire was to evict these animals, to drive them out and to not let them back in. And they identified a number of alternative roost sites that the bats could go to. Um uh, and the first site on their list was a shooter's camp mm-hmm. north of the Lake Collat. Well, we know what happens yeah. when men with guns get see static animals in trees. Yeah, yeah. The second site was a site that had vegetation that was no taller than me. It was completely inappropriate. Yeah. And the third site was uh, nearly adjacent to a gun club and was uh, pri- half privately owned and only partially owned by the council. So the sites were completely... How, would, how did they tell the bats to go to a different site anyway? They well, they were hoping they, were hoping they would go there. You well, know, it, 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 what it, do you mean hoping? I, yeah. mean, I don't understand how you hope that well, an animal will go to a to a desired spot it's a luck based approach they know they have to roost somewhere um, and they, they they think well look, look, here are some alternative sites and they may well re, re um um, you know, relocate themselves to this these particular sites. How do they but, inform them that this new site exists? Well, they don't. They just drive them out and hope they go away. How, but, and so, tell us how they drive them out. What techniques? Well, do they they use? The, the 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 stated intent was to use smoke and noise and light um, to create an aversion. So, doesn't the smoke just lull them into a stupor rather than actually drive them away? Well, it has been used in other other camps in 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 Queensland where they they've had a disastrous result up there with mums not being able to come back to their pups yeah, because right. they're they're too terrified. So yeah. the idea of blowing smoke in the face and terrorising um, a declining native species that spends its entire life building forests and yeah. regenerating forests. Now, so how remember, many million years? Oh, at least two million years right. here. Okay. So they they know what they're doing. Uh, and as our forests are turning to soot and as people in the subtropics are seeing lifetimes worth of work disappear under the tsunami of climate change, mm. um, they are increasingly despairing about the attitude of some local government authorities and some state authorities uh, over its um, over its lack of care and concern, um, its even disdain sometimes, for a critical pollinator and seed disperser that is going to help regenerate yeah, and yeah. build resi- resistance and resilience yeah, into an, our remaining forests. They're an ally, not an enemy. They're an absolute critical ally, and we should ex- be expending, extending maximum efforts to ensure that they are as happy and as comfortable mm. wherever they choose mm. to roost. Yep. Because, as a friend of mine said, we're in their country. We're the instant Australians. <laughs> yeah. We just arrived here, uh, and you know it, it's about time we we tried to do the right thing by these animals by appreciating them and caring for them. Um, and how dare we not? In, how dare we not even um, take their life and death interests? Their life and death interests is more a more serious concern than the. Um, 
you know, the the amenity concerns about someone who wants to have a picnic in the gardens. So um, is that the is that the issue at Colac? Is that they're making too much? Is it making too much poo or too much noise or something? Well, flying fox colony is a force of nature. You know, the sound of a flying fox colony in full voice is like the sound of the MCG on Grand Final <laughs> Day or or a Kimberley thunderstorm. It is the sound know, of this a, country. It's amazing. Oh, it's and a, they were right. a good and thing in mating season as well. <laughs> it's like a pub at three in the morning you know it's all going off it's all happening you know other times you go other times of the year and other times of the day colony's completely silent you can yeah. walk through a colony and not hear a pin drop you yeah. know they're all asleep yeah um now in colac uh there are th- uh, two or three trees there's a um a japanese uh, pagoda tree mm-hmm. and there's a, a huon pine and their claim was that the bats roosting in those trees is impacting on these heritage trees so trees that have been planted well outside their natural range yeah. by humans yeah. uh get to be called heritage <laughs> whereas animals that have been here don't uh, for qualify two for the 2 million years don't <laughs> qualify under the rubric of heritage. We want that change. There's something deeply perverse mm, about that. Indeed. And the idea that we um, can consider evicting and ejecting these ancient Australians from somewhere that they know they can survive summer in. Mm. This is why they choose that roost side yeah, of Colac. And to raise their babies. Because they raise, to raise yeah. their single pup in. Yep. Colac, the gardens, is just south of Lake Colac. So when the hot northerly blows across that lake, instead of being fried... Um, it's an air-conditioned environment right. in, in the in the gardens. Yeah, right. Deep shade, cooling green lawns. It's a summer survivable spot. And there's and not many of those spots around. They're ve- they're they're very um they're very few and far between. So even in the good roost sites like Yarra Bend and Bansdale was a good roost site. Uh, even in those good roost sites, we lost thousands of bats in the uh, 2018 heat waves. Um, lost two thousand at Bansdale. Um, a, th- a thousand at, at, at Orbost. We lost uh, very few at Geelong because, again, it was right, it's right near the sea. It was mm. that, that, that cooling effect. Yeah, and right. we lost no bats. Well, it was 4,000 Adelaide. We lost no bats in, in Colac because it has that air-conditioned cooling effect. The bats know that. Yeah, right. And instead of evicting them into places where um, it's a death sentence, um, uh, we should be encouraging them to doing our best by, uh, for them in uh, taking care of them where they choose to roost. Now tell me then what's going on with Townsville because uh, I know there's something also untoward happening with the bats in Townsville. Well, Townsville um, is a, 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 an unfortunate situation whereby you have flying foxes, and these are black flying foxes. It's another um, species. Yep, yep, yep. So the four main species, there's... Um, um, there's black, little red, grey-headed, and spectacle. Okay. So there's others, but they're the they're the dominant, the predominant ones That's in the, terms the, of figures. They're the mainland species okay. of flying uh, of megabat, okay. of flying fox. Yep. So if you think of an old Essendon football coach, grey-headed, spectacle, um, little red. And black, so oh, okay. that's that's yeah, how right. you can remember oh, the floor. Okay, you nice. see. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, so they're roosting in the Dan Gleeson Memorial Gardens in Townsville. Uh, in Townsville. Yep. Now, they're a lovely garden, and unfortunately, Dan Gleeson was a friend of Russ Hins in during the the Jabbiocki Peterson government, and the Russ Hins and Jabbiocki Peterson were responsible for the greatest degree of environmental destruction and the most corrupt governments that this country has ever seen. So the bats and might that's be, a that's a pretty high 
high bar. It's a high bar. So Dan Gleeson was friend of the most corrupt minister and the most corrupt Queensland government ever. So they're pretty political, I guess, and they might be getting their own back on these guys for knocking down their forests. So they choose to roost in the Dan Gleeson Memorial Gardens in Townsville. But for the last four years, the Townsville City Council has been set up smoke machines and um, fogging machines to keep them out of areas of the gardens that the bats uh, want to raise their young in. So even in the last couple of months, uh, there have been 48 abandoned orphans mm. in the, the Dan Gleeson Gardens that have to have been taken into care by carers, by the um, North Queensland Wildlife uh, Care Group. Which are volunteers. They're all volunteers. Yep. Um, at the same time denying... Um, that there's been any harm caused. Well, when a mother abandons its pup... No harm caused. No harm caused. She comes back in. She's terrorised by the smoke. She decides it's a life and death matter. She can't go and pick that pup up. Now, that pup will starve to death unless Mm. it's found by volunteers. Um, And if it's up on a branch... They can't... It's very hard to get to, very hard to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And this is the, the... the, the, the parlous situation in Townsville, it seems just like something out of the 1930s yeah. rather than the second decade of the 21st century. And it really is a, an example of cruelty, an example of neglect, um, and the Townsville City Council has a great deal to be ashamed of. Is it being addressed? Is there, is there kind of any resolution in sight or is it still well, just going I, I put it to us? Yeah, look, I, they'd need a police presence if it was happening in Victoria. To do that, we would be down there, and we would be confronting the people attempting to terrorise these animals, and we would we would engage them. When you say we, you're talking friends of friends bats, of bats and bush, bush care, care, Victorian advocates for animals, and other wildlife groups would join us. I have no doubt whatsoever, yeah, cool. and they would confront these abusers because I'm calling it. I'm calling it, this is animal Maybe can abuse. You, can you go up there? Can you go up there and? Well, I've offered to go up there, and we're we're talking at the moment. Um, but with our position at the moment is that we're. Uh, engaging the Townsville City Council, and we've made them an offer, but we'll be getting substantial media to cover what is uh, an acute form of cruelty and animal abuse being perpetrated against a vulnerable native species in a garden. Now, they, the, the gardens is perfectly capable of accommodating this flying fox colony, and the bats um, deserve better than uh, a better deal than death uh, this century, particularly when they've got that have that critical role of pollination and seed dispersal of the the, the remaining native uh, forests in Queensland. Of course, so I'm just surprised why there isn't um, a a a number of people in around Townsville. There's a, there seems to be a lot of environmental groups out there, why aren't there a group there that are prepared to put their, their body on the line for these bats? Well, I, I think when it gets back to culture, a lot of the culture of carers and rescuers, they're, they're very conservative, they're very incredibly law-abiding people, yeah. they're gentle people, yeah. uh, they're people who, who believe that if we just show them the evidence, if we just show them the photographs of the pups, um, that they'll say, oh, we, you know, this is... This is improper that we're burdening the rescuers and carers, uh, the volunteer mm-hmm. sector, in this kind of way. But there might be a gendered dimension to this as well, because ninety percent of the rescuers and carers are women, and they—I um, I think they're just being bullied into submission by this council. And um, I've contacted them very recently and just said, "Look, you know, we, would you like us to offer to to help?" And so we're turning up the the heat, uh, and there is media interest in exposing what is the you know, incompetence of, of this council and the cruelty of this council. It's completely un- unnecessary what they're subjecting the animals to.
Now, I know in Queensland too, they've not only is that going on in Townsville, but Queensland also has possibly the worst reputation. I don't know if it's if it's um, if this is called for or not, but they have the worst reputation for habitat clearance, and I'm guessing that that must be also an enormous impact on yeah the f- uh, um, flying fox. The forests in Queensland um, have been cleared at the same rate as those in Brazil. Oh, that's bad. So uh, the Amazon, they've, they've lost forest at the same rate as the Amazon has lost forest. And put it in context, Australia has already lost 50% uh, of its of its rainforests uh, in 2000. And then the, and then by 2000, and then the clearance of rainforest uh, was increased um, under the Campbell-Newman government and the, inc- right. the increase of yep. general vegetation increased under the Campbell-Newman government. What the Campbell-Newman, there was a Liberal National Party government in Queensland, what they did um, was they overturned the uh, Labor Party's ban on the shooting of flying foxes. This is one thing that they did as well. So the Labor Party rightly and correctly, the Bly, and a Bly Labor government, um, uh, implemented a ban on the shooting of flying foxes in orchards. It, it, the Labor government understood that these are critical animals uh, for regeneration. You can either pay a workforce of people to go out all night, all day and all night and pollinate trees and uh, or and and seed disperse and plant trees, or you can let the bats do it for free, and they'll work. Um, all night for nothing. All you need to do is su- supply them, leave them alone, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's a and, and when they're starving, yeah, let them have a ute full of fruit. Yeah. Um, what what difference is it going to make? Yeah. Given that we throw out three million tons of wasted fruit every year in this country, mm. so not to allow the bats a few thousand kilos while they're regenerating forest is just absurd. So the Labor government banned the shooting. The Campbell Newman government Campbell Newman government was elected in Queensland. And overturned um, overturned that shooting ban in two thousand and twelve, um, and then Campbell Newman lost power, and the Labor government regained power, but they didn't unwind that that ban. So right. there's still a, uh, the not only are the bats being hammered by um, land clearing because when you clear land, you clear food resources from yep. the flying foxes. Yep. They travel out at night, thirty forty k's. Uh, and they their principal diet, of course, is nectar, pollen, and fruit. And if you've cut down all the trees, uh, they starve to death. Then they go onto the orchards to try and survive. Which is where they get shot. But where it's where they get shot. So at one end of the country, we're shooting flying foxes for um, trying to survive by eating a couple of plums. Um, and at the other end, and all down the east coast and in the south, we've got hundreds of carers rescuing flying foxes and expending a considerable part of their lives trying to keep them alive. So there's this, there's this sort of um, bizarre split in the psyche and in the, mm. uh, of our of our mm. nation between mm. those who um, think it's okay to, um, to to deliver a death sentence on animals if mm. they inconvenience us even slightly, and then those who who give their very lives up yeah. uh, to to help these animals survive and um, be there for future generations. So it's quite it's quite bizarre. We are heavily lobbying the Queensland government to end the shooting of land, to reinstate their ban on the shooting of flying foxes um, in Queensland. 
most of the growers now have moved to canopy netting, so there's no excuses. They, they What's ex- canopy netting? Canopy netting is a netting that goes right across the tops of the trees. Oh, so it's, um, like, it's like a huge aviary across that's the right, whole, whole that's right. paddock. Yeah, yeah so right. that, that excludes the bats. Now, New South Wales' ban on shooting um, begins in 2020, in July of 2020. Uh, Victoria... It's illegal to shoot flying foxes, South Australia. So there's no permits. You can't even get a permit to shoot flying foxes in Victoria. You cannot. That's you great. cannot. Um, That's uh, in Queensland, thing. they're called damage mitigation permits, DMPs. And the da- damage mitigation permits are uh, uh, obtained to New South Wales as well. Um, but as I say, New South Wales government has decided correctly to um, to end those, end, end this wanton destruction. Because remember, for every flying fox that is shot and killed cleanly outright um there's another two or three that are just shot through the wings and wounded mm. and die out the back of the orchard somewhere yeah. well, um, not slowly the, of blood the, loss the pup that's on them that's i know they just mum. die of starvation yeah. they hang on to mum mum's been shot up um and they just lay there until they're they're uh, expire or are, are killed by predators and so forth it's a barbarous behavior yep. that belongs uh, from an earlier barbarous Which age sounds a lot like um kangaroo killing for permitted Permitted kangaroo killing mm. is to kill the, the the mother, and just the joey just dies by predation or starvation. It's a it's a disgrace, and I'd urge people to write to. Um, now, what adds an extra dimension of horror to this, I guess, is the fact that the Queensland Minister for Environment, Leanne Enoch, is a Kwandamooka woman. She's a t- traditional right. Aboriginal um, woman uh, from North Stradbroke, and um, for her to be allowing and to be not extending best efforts to overturn mm. the ban that was implemented by environment and indigenous mm. hostile Campbell Newman government, um, it really does beg a belief. What's it that? Re- so is that powerful industry influences at, at, at work there? I think probably a c- combination of elements of, a, you know, a industry and a attention on other areas yeah. and so forth. But, but I really think she... You know, there there does need to be a, a fast rethink, and I have some some small grounds to believe that that's beginning to happen in Queensland. But I would certainly urge people to write to the Queensland Minister for Environment and call for an immediate cessation of the shooting of flying foxes mm. in that state. And especially now, these the bushfires have ripped through, so the 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 natural environment in Queensland is in in the greatest state of crisis than ever before with so much habitat destroyed they need to be doing everything that they possibly can yep yeah. i mean protect- the 50% of the vegetation is gone and 25% um uh, it remains in patches. There's only a small amount of forest to tropical forests are burning for the first time and mm. on the on the the same day that i i learned that the same day that I learned that the Australian Medical Association, right, hardly a radical group, you wouldn't think the AMA was a radical group, um, and the British Medical Association both declared there was a climate emergency. On that day, I learned that the Arctic forests were on fire and the wet tropics were being turned into soot. So mm. if all of that doesn't amount to an emergency um, that should put us on a war footing. Yeah. Anything that impinges upon the welfare of our pollinators and our environmental mm. defenders, mm. our birds, <clears throat> our bees, yeah. our insects, our flying foxes, anything that impinges on their welfare should be declared an enemy. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention just the basic 
um, aspect of sentient beings and cruelty. You know, not not to mention fifty years of hard philosophy that's come out of exactly. our, you know, out of our educational institutions and universities, demonstrating the, um, you know, the the, the similarity and similarity and ability to suffer of all mammals of and, 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 exactly. and a good many non-mammals as well. Exactly. Now let's just have a quick break. I've got a song to play, um, appropriately called. Fires Glow, this is by Lack of Afro. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about flying foxes that are caught in the netting of fruit trees. And Lawrence knows quite a lot about this issue, and that's an understatement. We're going to talk about that and we're going to talk more about um, flying foxes or fruit bats, as you might want to call them. Lack of Afro, Fires Glow, we'll see you in a minute.
This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m., Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 a.m., and we're here with Lawrence Pope talking about flying foxes. Now, we've just been talking about, before this, we've been talking about the heat waves in uh, pretty much across the eastern seaboard, talking about uh, management in Colac and Townsville, giving flying foxes a particularly nasty time. Talked about starvation in southeast Queensland and habitat clearance in Queensland, bushfires destroying habitat. Now, drought. Lawrence, what's happening with the drought? Well, the drought has um, been exacerbated. The effects of the drought are being exacerbated by uh, recent wildfire events as well. So it's all depriving the female flying foxes of the nutrition they need to produce milk. And because they haven't had been able to produce enough milk um, in South Queensland, New South, right around to the Victorian border, we're seeing uh, numbers of flying foxes uh, dying, just dropping dropping dead from starvation, and also mothers uh, dropping their pups, abandoning their pups because they can't feed them. Um, and this is a very you know sad outcome that is, as I say, is a combination uh, of severe prolonged drought and also a failure of trees to flower in fruit in the way that they normally would. So they're the the kind of cascading events mm. that have been um, promulgated and predicted by climate change um, uh, experts. We're starting to see we're starting to see them happen in in the wild where we have these um species being affected dramatically by climate change, remembering that 20 of the hottest years on record have been in the last 22 years. Mm. So it's an extremely um, difficult situation. Uh, The idea that you can have these animals under extreme stress, and so carer groups right down the east coast have been reporting great numbers of young that are being abandoned, great numbers of flying foxes um, that are roosting in places where they normally wouldn't roost. For example, they'll stay in a tree that's flowering rather than flying back to the colony and spending their yeah, right. their day in the colony because colonies are like beehives. The, the bees will go back to the bee, back to the hive, but some flying foxes are just staying where the food is at the very time. Which is disrupting that whole community structure. It, that's right. The whole... the the, the Colonies are a complex structure, and for them to disrupt that, they have a very powerful evolutionary instinctive um, drive to get back to the colony before mm. the sun comes up completely. Right. And to see them out during the daytime, so seeing them out in just backyard trees or somewhere else during the time, is some, you know that this is abnormal behaviour. There's right. something seriously wrong. And most of it, what is wrong at the moment is starvation. Right. And that's right across, that's everywhere. That's everywhere. So they're under increasing pressure from um, the the failure of our remaining forests to flower, great swathes to flower, Um, uh, the the direct effects of smoke and heat uh, Mm. causing um, huge die-offs of in in camps for for entire camps to to fall. Um, And then, of course, you have... Uh, governments, uh, Queensland licensing 
um, lethal killing of 8,780 animals, mm. 8,000 uh, of a population that's already in decline. Now, I will, I will add, to be fair, those, the, the species they've licensed to kill uh, don't include the spectacle flying fox, but a great many spectacle flying foxes will be shot because mm. they shoot in the dark. The animals come over. They can't tell the difference yeah. between a black flying yeah, fox. I couldn't tell the difference yeah. between a black flying fox and a spectacle That's flying absurd. fox yep. in the dark over an orchard. So you'll have these critically endangered animals mm. being shot for uh, $2 worth of fruit. Mm. I mean, it's it's madness. It's, it's utter madness. Now, um, you, t- you talked about all these, um, these flying foxes that are um, doing abnormal things, like you find them in people's backyards. Yeah. And then that leads us to the issue of fruit netting of trees mm. and then being caught in fruit nets. So they're out looking, scavenging for food, going into people's backyards to random trees and getting caught in these the nets that are put over people's fruit trees. Can you talk about that issue and how it is completely and utterly avoidable? Mm. Well, backyard fruit tree netting, dangerous, wildlife unsafe backyard fruit tree netting, is is the biggest sort of urban cause of uh, flying fox death down uh, down the east coast and along the south coast. Um, so it's normal for bats anywhere within thirty five k's of their their colony to go out at night and to to um, to eat to predate uh, backyard fruit, uh, fruits in backyards. That's just, that's a normal part of their grazing range. It's only abnormal when you see them there during the day, if they're sleeping there during the day. So it's normal for them to be in backyards. Um, It keeps them alive. There's a life and death interest. If you have breakfast, they need to go out for breakfast as well. And this is what they do. But what, where they get into trouble is if people put a net over their tree um, and that net has holes that are big enough to put your fingers through, um, that is a deadly net. Um, it's a deadly net for flying foxes, it's a deadly net for lorikeets and for other animals as well because they get their limbs um, caught in it, they get tangled up in that net and then they die of shock and dehydration. And if they've got a pup um, on board, that pup can be with them um, and that pup can perish as well if it's not rescued in a pretty quick, short order of time. So um, if, of course, mum goes out, she gets caught in a net um, and um, uh, uh, the pup has been left back at the colony because when pups reach a certain weight, they can't be carried out. They're too heavy to fly with. So all the mothers put their pups in a creche tree and several creche trees in the colony. They all pups go in there. Mums go all go out to feed at night. They all come back to the creche tree and pick up their pup and then go to their roost tree. Or they stay in a maternity area of the camp and feed their feed their pups during the during the day. And um, they have a very strong bond with their mums up to about five months. And, um, is that when they wean? Do they wean at five months? Yeah, yeah, okay. they're weaning, and slowly they'll they're learning to fly. So they're doing lots of flapper size and learning to fly, and um, uh, and then they'll slowly make little forays out of the camp to right. a, a nearby flowering tree or fruiting tree and learn learn how to, to to leave the camp and find food for themselves. Um, but of course, if mum doesn't come home, she's caught in a backyard fruit tree net and strangled or has to be euthanized. Mm. And we do five hundred rescues. A year in Melbourne metropolitan alone, between wow. 300 and 500 a year through Wildlife Victoria and through AWARE and the Wildlife Rescuers mm. and all these groups that, that are trying to do flying fox rescue. Um, that's a hell of an impost 
for a very small gain by the backyard, by the householder. Now, of course, there's ways they can have some fruit, protect fruit, and also help the bats as mm. well. Um, Do you tell? Yeah, well, a really easy way to do it, apart from, you know, you can buy nets that have very small apertures, like mosquito size wire or fly wire type netting. But really, what, from the hardware? Or from, from the, the hardware. You can, you can yeah. buy those online or you can buy them from. Um, oh, don't they have to hardware. be a certain colour as well? White is the best because the, the animals can see white netting. So not, the, not green? Not green or black. Okay. No, no. Um, but a really, uh, a really easy way to protect. All the fruit you're possibly going to eat is is through um, fruit socks or fruit bags. Now, what coals sell a washing bag that is also very good. Now, washing bags are really tough. You know, the people put their clothes in them and the in, in the washing machine and they zip up the bag and oh, they, like ladies put their um, underwire bras stuff and like lacy that. knickers e- exactly. and sort of stuff. Yep. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Um, and you can put that over bunches of fruit and you zip it up on your tree, and that will protect your the fruit from perfect they're only the a few bucks they're think. three dollars for a big bag last for a long time seasons and seasons and they're um, white and they're white and they tick all the boxes it also saves you from ladder climbing if you use a whole of fruit tree net you have to get up a ladder and you know there are five presentations from ladder falls uh every week in fact ladder falls kill the australians i think it's two or three a, a week um wow. all year so the most if, dangerous activity in if, Australia, pretty yeah, much. If, if, yeah, if you're over forty, don't don't go up ladders because yeah. you could you know well fall off. So put a bag on everything you can reach on your fruit tree and leave the high fruit for wildlife. And you can be yeah, a really good nice. urban conservationist yeah, by doing very... that. That means the bats come when after a hot day, they're exhausted. They come into your backyard, they rehydrate, they fuel up. You will keep them alive or they will then go on and travel between Melbourne and Brisbane and up and down their whole lives, building resilience into forest and and helping to pollinate and seed disperse those forests. And it feels really nice to help. You're helping, you're doing something. You're not useless. You you actually are doing something to help in the physical preservation of a declining species. So. You don't even have, you can keep your money in your pocket. You yeah. can. You don't have to do, actually you, do anything. You don't have to you know, you just not do something. You <laughs> yeah, just you know exactly. yeah. By not doing something, you're doing something. Exactly, precisely, and you're being a, a great help. And uh, we thank you, and the bats thank you. And being a decent human. And being, being good luck. It's good yeah. luck helping the oh, bats. Yeah. It's good it's, luck. I'm sure it's a charm <laughs> of some kind, a good luck charm. Um, well, that's good to know because. Um, you know, I, I think we're coming into fruit season now, sort of, aren't we? There's a mm. lot of fruit trees coming into season. So mm. it might be useful to tell your neighbours when you see their neighbours putting up, you know, really crap nets that are dark in colour or got big apertures to give them a heads up. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to your neighbours. Um, encourage them not to net at all. If they do net, use fruit bags or socks. Free fruit bags are those orange bags. You buy your bag of oranges in. Oh, yeah, Those bags, good. you can hang on to those are bags. Are they the right size aperture? Yeah, they? they're the right size aperture. Cool. Onion bags are another bag you can use. Oh, good idea. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, uh, you'll uh, you'll help keep the, keep, keep the bats alive doing that. Okay, awesome. Now... A couple of other things that are giving the bats a, a very rough time. Um, electrocution on power lines, and that seems to be – that's an ongoing thing that's been been going since, you know, um, man's had electricity mm. pretty much, isn't it? Mm. So um, Yeah, power lines are interesting. The, the bats will usually feed in a tree nearby. So there'll be, say, a gum tree growing up alongside the power line. Um, and then um, 
sort of they'll feed there and then oh that's a nice place I'll have a rest on that that line going across and they'll they'll fly across to the line and um and roost there for a little while have a little snooze or groom themselves they constantly they're as clean as cats they right. constantly groom right. themselves um but then when they go to take off they'll have a wingtip touches each line right. and, and zap, zap they get gone. they get gone now if the flying fox is a female and has a bub on board often that baby will survive that electrocution so it'll be on a dead mother so if you see a flying fox on a power line just have a look on its chest, look up and you've got good eyesight. You'll see what looks like a little bomb stretched, strapped to its chest. Yeah. That's bub still on there. And that baby can be saved. We had a situation the other day in New South Wales. Doesn't it get electrocuted? Doesn't the, the, no, the voltage go through it, the, the it bub does, as well? It doesn't seem to. Okay. There's something about the milk. and so it'll, The bub will be attached to a nipple. Oh. And then strapped across her. Right, so okay. there's something about that, that that often prevents. So how can we say, because if they're up on a power line, obviously there's not much you can do. Do you call Wildlife Rescue or do you call the Fire Brigade? You call Wildlife Rescue and you call the power company. Okay. Give them the number of the power pole okay. or the poles that the, the, yep. the, the, the bat's between. Um, and then um, they'll send a, a, um, a, a scissor lift. Up oh. and they'll um, they'll get the bat. They usually turn the power off between those two poles, or they'll um, secure the animal. And the other day we had a policeman standing underneath the the mum bat with her pup for two hours with a jumper in case the pup fell. Oh, good on him! So that's good. sometimes they're good, aren't they? Thumbs up to the New South Wales Police Force. <laughs> that's nice. That still restores my good faith in the, the yeah. New South Wales Police Force Champion for a moment. Um, now we haven't we're quickly running out of time. Can you really quickly tell us? How we can help, how and where, what can we do if we want to get involved with helping bats, flying foxes? Well, the biggest thing to do, uh, the most immediate thing to do is not net your fruit tree. You know, let them, as we're cutting down the forest, they're more and more dependent on whatever they can find in urban environments. Um, uh, It'd be great, you know, sharing, sharing is caring. Yeah. Um, uh, the the government is actually going to be legislating regulating soon against unsafe netting, um, so that's going to be coming through in December January, cool. and um, that will restrict the use of netting to only wildlife safe kinds of nets. A really common sense intervention. Um, another thing you can do is go out and buy instead of spending a, you know, it's really easy to get the give ups when you hear about yeah, climate change yeah. and the forest. We've got a, a million hectares have been burned out mm. in the wet tropics. Where I get the give ups about two days a week, but the rest of the days of the week I decide it's a bit lame and I'll you know fight back. Well, what can I do instead of instead of going buying a hundred bucks worth of grog, I go and buy a hundred dollars worth of native trees. Oh, and, and plant plant native trees. Yeah, right. Um, Put a, put a dozen in, get permission from your local council or not, stick them near a creek, and when those trees grow up, they will provide food and habitat for birds and bats and bees and insects. Yeah, right. And you will be helping directly doing that. It also helps your local nursery. Support your local nursery businesses yep. um, and do sensible sensible things like that. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Um, where can we get information online? It does... Um, Friends of Bats and Bush Care have some online presence. Uh, we don't have an online presence. Uh, you can you can get information from um, uh, Wildlife Victoria website, the DELP, okay. the government, the Victorian government website yep. on flying foxes. Um, if you want to, um, oh, there's flying fo- flyingfoxsupporters.com.au. FFS, yeah, flyingfoxsupporters.com.au. Um, I had a look at that last night. It looks, it's good. Yeah, good yeah, site. Yeah, that's um, yeah, Jill, Jill, Jillian uh, Snow up there in uh, Sydney. Sydney Bats is good. There's a lot of stuff online 
that you can you can use. Another, also have a just a positive voice for flying foxes and bats. Every time you see them in the media, if you can be a positive voice online, I don't have a social media presence, but you do. Good on you. And say something good about the bats and keep batting for our upside down friends. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Lawrence. That's um yeah, that was Lawrence Pope talking about um, flying foxes and what we can do to help them because they're having a very very rugged time. That's it for today. You can follow Friends of uh, Friends of Bats and Bush Care. What I'm trying to say is you can follow Freedom of Species on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. And you can email us at um, this uh, address, info at freedomofspecies.org. So uh, do get in touch if you um, have any feedback or any ideas. Encyclopedia is coming up next at 2 p.m. And I'm going to leave you with another Lack of Afro song. And this one is called The Basis. So stay tuned for Encyclopedia and we will see you next week. into it you had it going when the horn started to hit then you thought big band and you just to me that was hey get with you've been listening to a 3cr podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3cr in melbourne australia for more information go to all the w's.3cr.org.au